All right, I'll count, I'll count you all in. Okay. Three, two, one. Hey everyone, it's Jackie, Anita, and Lucas. Welcome to Chain Reaction, where we unpack and explain the latest in crypto news, drama, and trends, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Okay, to start, let's get into it. Lucas, yesterday you talked to A16Z's Chris Dixon. Share the details. I That's did indeed. The yes, <laughs> we, we, we had a nice conversation. Um, you know, he is a very high-profile crypto investor. Some may say the world's best. Um, he he might say that. Uh, we, <laughs> we, yes, we we had a, we had a cool conversation. I had like twenty five questions written down, and we got through seven of them. But it was it was a good chat. He talked a little bit about Adam Newman, which was spicy. Oh yeah, it was definitely spicy. I was there. Um, yeah, and I I have an interview I'm excited about too. I'm interviewing the founder of Solana, Anatoly Yakovenko, today. One forty five. Be there. Be square. <sighs> and I have a panel tomorrow with people from FTX, Visa, and Uniswap. So. We're low-key taking this over and making it a crypto conference. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's our, Next year's going to be agenda. all crypto. <laughs> all right, enough about us. Let's get into the news. What are we working on this week? What are we seeing? Yeah, there's been a lot of news outside of Disrupt, too, even though that's been keeping us busy. Um, one of them was the launch of a new Layer 1 blockchain, which is Aptos. They launched their main net, and this is like a pretty well-funded, like VC-backed blockchain. They have backing from FTX. They raised $200 million. They have backing from Andreessen Horowitz. And it was not the smoothest launch, mm -hmm. is kind of what I have yeah, to say about it. Yeah, and this was like a launch four years in the making, right? So this isn't like just yesterday they decided to pick this up. Right. I mean, there was a ton of hype around like Aptos basically coming out. And it was just this moment where like there were outages. There were, there were also questions about their token distribution, which I think is really interesting. Like that's been a big hot topic with all these different layer ones. You know, in crypto, everyone's like, I'm the most decentralized. Yeah. No, I am. Like... <laughs> The Aptos team is interesting. So I had a I had a call with them maybe like, I don't know, like a little less than a year ago. It was an hour-long call. And they for like 40 minutes, they talked about their life stories, which was a little... <laughs> which like, And I tried to cut them off multiple times. Um, but they raised all this money. They raised it from these great people. But like they're really early. And they raised, whatever, $350 million before they even launched. Yeah. So yeah. This, there was a lot riding on this. Well, it was kind of wild when I was reading about the news because I was like, oh, Aptos like hadn't launched yet. Because I, I feel like I had heard and read so much about it. And I didn't realize that like the mainnet launch was literally only this week because of their funding. And I mean, it was kind of wild because right when they launched, I mean, their token like immediately plummeted by 30% within like the first hour or something like that. Well, yeah, I think the people were saying this was the first token launch that happened where the tokenomics of the token weren't known before the launch. So people could be buying a token and not know how many there are, how many are being burned, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I, it had a billion dollar valuation before it even launched on mainnet, like you said. And for those who don't know mainnet is basically it wasn't even fully deployed or developed, and it still had that valuation. It's almost like the situation we see with Adam Newman right now. Yeah, well, it's funny. Like everyone talks about, okay, the market downturn, the crypto winter, but I guess I guess we're still going strong over here. And I think there's been a lot of attention on like the competition between different layer one blockchains, and you know that's just a hot topic. And I think it's really funny how people called when Solana came out, they called it like the Ethereum killer. Yeah. And now Aptos came out, and everyone was saying this is going to be the Solana killer. Like, right. why do they have to kill? Why can't I, it's just so aggressive because it's crypto. There must be murder. No, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and like this is, you know, when Ethereum launched, there wasn't VC backing. There weren't people like investing in the seed round or the A or something like that. But like with Solana, a lot of people got in at the ground floor and invested 50 grand. And that turned into a billion dollars a few years later. It must be nice. It must be nice. <laughs> but, but they're also just kind of like, 
now it dipped, now it's boring. What's the next thing? Can we see? I know, see? I feel like yeah. we're gonna see like a new layer one launch every week. And like, I, I don't really personally understand, like, do we really need this many blockchains out there? I mean, they all are kind of similar. They're all trying to get at similar things. They're trying to get at speed. They're trying to get at efficiency, security. As, as one, one other aside on this team, they all came from Facebook's um, like Libra, DM, whatever. Right. Oh, no. um, yeah, <laughs> and, and so it's really fascinating talking to these people because like they have to be the most depressed crypto um, people of all time because they spent years building these things that they thought were going to be really successful. And then regulators were just like, we're not going to let you launch this meta. You don't deserve to launch like, you know, a stable coin. Like that's not going to happen. So yeah. none of their stuff ended up going anywhere. Absolutely. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on the, the competition heating up between these layer ones? I think it's interesting because Aptos claims it could handle 130,000 transactions a second compared to Ethereum's 30 per second. And I'm not going to do the math on that, but that's a lot faster, allegedly. That seems like um, it. And then also with that said, like there's tons of VC money that got raised for Aptos, even before it launched, as we discussed. And like whether or not this blockchain will deliver, that's hard to tell. And whether or not it's going to fail, or as I saw on Twitter, like it's going to be a Kraptos. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. You know, like it really depends. And like I think the biggest things going forward here is one, will they attract a community of developers and users it needs to survive? Because like without a community, they're nothing. And two, whether or not like their code and actual technical applications they're claiming are as sound as they are. Yeah, the, the, the last thing that, that came to mind on this for me was like the VC funding is pretty wild. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of these VCs have funded like other layer ones too. I mean, I, I guess like how would you feel if you were, you know, the founder of a blockchain and your VCs are going and putting money into every new project that just pops up? Like, I don't know. It seems like conflict, it's like conflict of interest to me. Yeah. Right. Well, I feel like, I, I feel like in like maybe when VC was a little bit smaller, like it was like you don't back Coke and Pepsi and right. you don't back Uber and Lyft. But in the blockchain world, they're like 300 things trying to do the exact same idea. So yeah. you just kind of like, you're like, well, that partner's not on that board or he only goes to half the meetings. Yeah, yeah. like I get that that's the game, but yeah, at the same time, it's, it's like the, the products are pretty comparable in, in my opinion. But I don't know, maybe someone's going to blast me for saying that. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, that's, that's enough on Aptos, I guess. You want to talk about Twitter? I will. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Twitter. Twitter's not a crypto company. Elon is going to buy it, allegedly. But, you know, he's not really the head of a crypto company either. Okay, someone made us like a bingo board on Twitter and one of the squares was Elon Musk or talking about Elon because why not? Yeah, so I, I, in keeping with so tradition, why not? that's, that, that's <laughs> mostly how I feel. Yeah, no, so, so this week there was this organization that got created a couple years ago, I mean 2019, called Twitter Blue Sky. And their goal was to kind of decentralize Twitter. It was a big pet project of Jack Dorsey. The goal was essentially to, when you think about email or something, like you can create an email server and you can read all of the emails that get sent to you from Gmail because it's an open protocol. So they wanted to create an open protocol for social media. So all of the social media posts could exist using this protocol and then individual users could decide to use a client like Twitter to be able to read them. And so the goal was, you know, people can go to a community where maybe they have, you know, moderation that's more in line with their political views right. or like algorithms that, <laughs> yeah, or, or <laughs> algorithms that, you know, don't recommend certain content or something like that. No censorship. Uh, ex exactly. I mean, like this was something that like legitimately right after Twitter banned Trump, Jack Dorsey was like, this was a hard decision, but like we shouldn't be the ones making these decisions in the first place, but we are right now. But we're working on things like Twitter Blue Sky, which are going to decentralize the decision-making process and basically give 
you know, lower the barrier of entry. So yada, 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 that's the beginning. But this <laughs> week, they kind of announced some of the things that they've been working on. So they announced, it was, it was quite nerdy, I will say. So they announced the AT protocol, which is the, uh, what's it called? Associated Transit uh, Protocol. And, Love an acronym. Yes. And it's basically, they launched the really early steps. But what they talked about wasn't as interesting as the timing, because the Twitter Elon deal is supposed to close like October 28th. So in less Who than... Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Allegedly. He really wants to get this deal and he really wants to burn, I think, what will probably end up being like $40 billion over market value for Twitter. Not like strict market value, but likely market value. So they wanted they want to get this announcement out because they probably want Elon to integrate with this in some way because Jack was the true believer and Jack's no longer a part of Twitter or the board. Yeah, Blue Sky is like related to Twitter, but it's not technically a part of Twitter, but it's funded by Twitter, right? That's the whole situation. It's an independent organization. Twitter gave it money. Jack Dorsey gave it money. And yeah, they're, I think Twitter has Twitter's formally agreed to integrate with the protocol. Gotcha. But that was the Twitter making that promise is not the Twitter owned by Elon Musk, who will own all of the like board seats. Yeah, how 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 do you think he feels about all of this? Like I I mean, I don't know. If you're already really overpaying inside the brain of Elon Musk. Yeah, I know. I I'll, I'll get there, trust me. <laughs> uh if you're already overpaying like 40 billion dollars for something, like something tells me you don't necessarily want to minimize your like home plate advantage or whatever and like home court advantage. Um, and <laughs> okay. Yeah. we're okay at sports. Sports, we're sports okay. are my strength. A sports podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Something tells me you don't want to lose your home court advantage and kind of create something that makes it easier for uh, rising social networks to kind of tap into your network. Essentially. This is, this has been a very weird few months for social media. Yeah, Broadly. the decentralized social thing is kind of weird to me. Like, I guess I don't fully understand the appeal, but it's where crypto gets like a little ideological. Like, it's not just blue sky, right? But we, we've seen like startups get funded in this space as well. Uh, I know like Farcaster is one that comes to mind. And there's just been money flowing into this. But like building a, a blockchain or a Web3 product versus building a social network are just two completely different things. And I think it's like the demand for it has something to do with, like you said, Lucas, like the political views and yeah. moderation and people's thoughts on, you know, who should be censoring what and and all of that. Right. I mean, blockchains are fundamentally kind of political and like the people who are like really into them always talk about censorship resistance. And it's not necessarily like in a political lens. But when you see stuff like the tornado cash controversy that's been recent. Yeah, the, the government sanctioned. Yeah, the it's it's something that's something cash users. Right. That's something that like people get really passionate about because they're basically deciding how open protocols and open networks are able to function. So I think that that's like, yeah, looking at Twitter and some of the social media networks, yeah, maybe, you know, some of the controversy around them is like I don't know. Like the political controversy gets gets a little toxic at times, but I think <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think generally like they're really interested in not having not having central control, not having central moderation, all that stuff. Um, I think that might be a good place to stop on the Twitter stuff. Yeah, I know uh, Jackie has some. Yeah, let me let me some have some fun to guys. Make. <laughs> yes, Jackie on the mic. Let's okay. go. Okay, <laughs> so this week Mastercard. Uh, big credit card, debit card company. Yeah, anyone heard of them? Uh, partnered with a regulated blockchain platform, Paxos, uh, to dive further into the crypto world and help banks provide trading services to their customers. Uh, but of course, it's not for everyone like you and me. There's always a little caveat with these things. Uh, it's going to be rolled out to institutional partners involved in MasterCard's crypto source program. 
So they can like gain access and buy and hold and sell certain crypto assets. And they said they still haven't determined like which assets it's going to be. So it's like they're so launching it's for, for banks to trade crypto like amongst themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm I'm assuming that it's going to include like the big boys like Bitcoin, Ethereum. Uh, but like, who's to say? Honestly, <laughs> uh, you would hope, right? Uh, Just anyways, Aptos. Yeah. So earlier this month, uh, Mastercard competitor. Visa actually expanded its agreement with crypto exchange FTX to roll out its card beyond the U.S. and like Latin America, Europe, Asia, and so on. So MasterCard really isn't the only one putting in work here. Uh, and this is like an interesting trend, I feel like, because a lot of traditional like financial services are getting into crypto in further ways beyond what we've seen in past years or like they would they like say they want to look into it, but now they're actually doing it. I know like one of the oldest banks, BNY Mellon, also announced last week that they're going to give their institutional clients the ability to hold and transfer Bitcoin and Ethereum on its new crypto custody platform. And the fact that like one of the oldest banks in the world even has a crypto custody platform now is like absurd to me. Yeah, I feel like people were heated on both <laughs> sides of that. Like the, you know, the traditional finance people were like, why are they doing this? And then the crypto people were like, why are they doing this? Yeah. And also I'm talking to the head of crypto at Visa tomorrow. And after Visa made this announcement, it was like, oh, cool, like FTX is expanding with Visa to other places. Oh, this is so big for Visa. But Visa already is partnered or has affiliated cards with over 65 exchanges and platforms. So like yeah, they, they've been playing the crypto game for a minute. Yeah. So as much as like these things seem like new announcements, they're just like even deeper beds they're making. Is that a saying? Beds? Yeah. <laughs> they're Maybe. digging. They're digging their graves. Someone's dig digging no, it's something. Not there's, there's a That's baseball, a little negative uh, connotation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess like the big question here is like, why does any of this matter? You know, like not to get philosophical. But that's, that's deep, man. That's I, deep. I, I but, um, yeah. That. No, I, yeah, go ahead. It's deep, but like the, the, the <laughs> thing that I've been watching with like a lot of amusement is a lot of these like traditional finance banking CEOs and companies, you know, shitting on crypto, it's, it, pardon my French, for like years, you know, saying that like Jamie Dimon came out and said like, I, I don't know that he would, uh, what did he say? That anyone who trades crypto should be shot. I don't know if that's what shot. he actually said. He said something very aggressive. Yeah. You guys should look it up after this. But no, I mean, all of these CEOs, like you had Jamie Dimon, you had like, uh, I, I'm pretty sure Ken Griffin, like all of yeah. these big finance guys were coming out and saying like, this is, you know, blockchain is total trash. Like Warren Buffett hated on it. Charlie Munger hated on it. And like in the background, they have all been adding crypto products to their platforms. Like I know the the card issuers are, issuers are a little different with Mastercard and Visa, but it's just it, it, it reminds me of almost like the hypocrisy that we've seen from some of these bigger institutions on it's crypto. It's also like whether or not they want them there, it's going to be involved. It's like that family member at a party, like you have to invite them because they're family, but you really don't want them there. That's how I feel like these big CEOs feel like about crypto. They're like, shit, all right, fine. We can get a crypto product, but I'm still going to shit on it on national yeah, yeah. TV. You know? Cousin Jackie's at the party again. <laughs> I, I feel I, like I, we've talked about the digital dollar like a few times over the past few episodes, but I feel like that kind of integrates in here also, where it's just like, even if like none of these cryptocurrencies end up panning out, like, Ultimately, it kind of seems inevitable that um, central banks in a lot of countries are going to adopt digital currencies that are blockchain based. So they're like, well, might as well start building the rails now to kind of integrate some of these pro like currencies into our future products. Right. Which is for efficiency and faster payments, but not for decentralization. So <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's 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 not going to happen. Well, OK, 
I don't know if you have anything else to say on uh, MasterCard and Visa. No, I'm going to stop cursing. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, I, you know, we were talking and we thought we should do something a little different today. And, you know, given that we're, we're in Q4, it's almost time for the holidays. That's what everyone's thinking about. We thought, obviously, it, it's crypto, so a lot of shit can still go down in the next couple of months. But... We're near the end of the year, and we wanted to to give some hot takes, some predictions. Uh-huh. You know, this is not financial advice. <laughs> never, well, never is. Yeah, <laughs> Lucas, please. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so we we're we we're talking about like where we thought there was going to be a lot of money flowing into Web three, especially amongst like VC dollars. I think that especially amidst a bear market, the gaming and metaverse side of things is going to be interesting. I think mostly gaming. I feel like if you have to say it's a metaverse, it isn't. But on the gaming side of things, there are already a bunch of big unicorns. There's a lot of action happening. But like generally when there's a bear market in crypto, people might not pay as much attention to the financial services side of things. And there might not be like capital B blockchain integrations with a lot of the products they use. But people still love to game. And I think that there's like a really big opportunity to kind of like subtly integrate blockchain mechanics and cryptocurrencies into how some of these games work. Now, that being said, there are a lot of challenges facing that. Number one is that no one has really made a fun blockchain game yet. It's really hard to make a good game. Yeah. It's really hard to get people to use crypto. Adding those two things together, and there's a very low percentage chance that the average crypto game straight out of the gate is going to be successful. There have been a couple uh, over the past couple of years. We've talked about Axie Infinity a lot. People might not say it was a fun game, um, but people, it was cer- people yeah. certainly played it yeah, a lot, and a right. lot of money flowed through that platform. A lot of money that eventually flowed to North Korea, alas. Right. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, it just has to go. Yeah, this won't be like an instant burn. It'll be a slow one because, like, I I mean, I don't really play a ton of video games. I play, like, Mario Kart. I don't either, but I have hot takes about it. Yeah, like, whatever my brother forced me to play. Um, But the ones I do play, I can only imagine, like, how hard it is to make those ones good. Yeah. Uh, and like, like you said, let's be honest, a lot of these games, the crypto games right now are at like the base level, like Atari level stuff and not to like shit on Atari. It's great. But like it's well. quality of like <laughs> Flappy Birds or like Pac-Man. And even that's a little generous, I think. Like these games just aren't fun yet. And a lot of people are in it for the speculative purposes. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about gaming as just a catalyst for like growth in Web3. Everyone's talking about how that's going to be a major use case. And I'm not a gamer either, so I'll give that disclaimer, but I was talking to someone the other day and they were kind of making the distinction between like, you know, like hardcore intense video gaming that people Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, like a Fortnite or Call of Duty, like you got your controller and everything versus like, you know, like easier, more accessible mobile gaming. And those are two different categories. So I always say like, oh, I'm not a gamer. But then I realize like, yeah, I play, I play like Candy Crush, like the rest of us. Like I play the stupid mobile games and maybe that's where I could see some growth happening, but I'm still pretty skeptical Um, overall, that this is going to be a huge thing that drives adoption of Web3 and crypto. Because my thing is like, like, why? Like, why do we need to like monetize these things? Like, I I guess like, it just seems complicated to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I remember like being really upset when some of my favorite computer games growing up, like went from a free model to you actually spend money in real life. I know Fortnite was really successful with that, but doesn't resonate with me personally. But I think a lot of gamers want to be paid and they also want to be able to take their assets and bring them from one game to another or to a new version. Like, I know, but it's so sad. It's like games are supposed to be fun and now they're capitalism. Yeah, but like, like, imagine if you're moving (laughs) from like an apartment to another apartment. They're like, no, you have to buy everything again. Like that's how that's how I'm dumbing this down. Okay, <laughs> like, okay. I, I, I feel like the VCs we talk to on the average day are like. The, the, I feel like they have a very 
interesting perspective on what accessibility means in a title like this. They're like, we want it to be on every device. Like, sure, you might have to buy a six hundred dollar NFT to get started in the very first place. I know, but, but, but once fun. you do that, right? And like, especially like you know, everyone kind of talks about like the portability of the assets across titles, but. Game publishers don't work together on anything, and when they do, like you know, if they're thinking that you you spent dollars in like Call of Duty and they want to bring that into I don't know some other game, yeah, <laughs> um, it's just like I just don't think that that's gonna happen. I'll, I'll give like a you know macro take of something fun that I learned the other day, which is not actually related to crypto, but apparently in a recession, makeup sales go up, especially like drugstore makeup. And it just kind of reminds me of this, like you were talking about, you know, maybe people might pull back more from the financial applications of Web3. But if we're looking at, you know, longer term use cases, if we're about to enter a recession, like people still want to have fun. They still want to do those things. And the reason that makeup sales go up in a recession is people want those fun things. Maybe they can't afford like a big vacation or they can't yeah. afford something really luxurious and extravagant, but they can afford like a nice little lipstick that makes them feel good and feel happy. And I think video games kind of serve a similar purpose for people. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, yeah, there's that angle where it's just like things that people will just enjoy regardless. But some VCs are also more focused on just base level technologies and backing some of the infrastructure. Uh, so that was something that you were thinking a little bit about. Yeah, yeah. I know Jackie had some thoughts on that as well. But infrastructure has been a pretty well-funded area in crypto through the downturn. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think just one more note on the gaming thing is like, it doesn't have to be Web3 companies getting into it, too. It could be the other side. Like, so Play Studios, the people who own Tetris, they launched their own blockchain uh, sector and a Web3-focused fund. So, like, whether or not we're holding their hands... Who made Tetris? Like, uh, They didn't make it. They own it. Oh, uh, Play okay, Studios. Okay. I just want to make that clear. Uh, but, I mean, there's been so many mega funds in the space. Like, that was only $10 million for a fund, a Web3-focused fund, but Immutable launched a $500 million fund to boost Web3 gaming earlier this year. So like whether or not traditional Web2 gaming studios are obsessed or looking to get involved in the space, it's almost evolving be, separately. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's so important. I mean, if you think about which of these layer ones are going to succeed going back to what we we're talking about earlier, right? Like gaming is, is really important. That's where Solana has been able to largely differentiate itself is like NFTs and gaming. And so if that doesn't keep up, then maybe the landscape is going to shift in terms of which blockchains people actually use. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. I'll go next. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to talk about finance, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll move to finance and uh, financial startups and like real world use cases yeah. beyond like the internet monies. Uh, but one of the big areas I've seen a lot of is, conversations- Is finance the real world? <laughs> For some, for some people, it's their only world in need. <laughs> but I've seen a, a lot of like VCs and angel investors uh, really diving into the financial realm of crypto. And I'm not talking about like investing in cryptocurrencies, but more so like projects, protocols, and startups that are like building a bridge between Web two and Web three. And like, what do I mean by that? It's just like. Linking kind of back to the MasterCard news, it's not enough just to have like speculative assets. We need things that can onboard. I like the speculative assets. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> we need things that can onboard people in a way that like, they don't even know they're using blockchain technology. Like I've used this analogy before, but like when we order an Uber or Lyft, we don't know how it's working. We just order it and it shows up. And I think the same thing has to work with blockchain technology for us to really onboard people who don't actually care about crypto, but can benefit from the use cases of it. There needs to be better financial products 
implemented that can improve their lives, whether it be through financial inclusion or improving like the way we get our credit scores or the way we get our mortgages, like anything like that. I think that's something that a lot of both crypto native investors and traditional investors are looking at right now and funding. It, it makes me think about the whole push for decentralization. And I personally don't think it's that important. Like, I think the things that you're talking about are really important. Again, that's this a real is a hot, hot take. take. I know. That's, that's a whole like, nother conversation. People are yeah. not going to like that. <laughs> Yo, I, I'm not going to check my mentions after this, but... No, I mean, look, like at the end of the day, for me, the whole appeal of, of crypto and like the reason I got so interested in this space in the first place is like this idea that, you know, our, our payment system is so antiquated. It could be faster. It could be more efficient. It could be better. And particularly in developing countries, I do think that matters. But people get caught up a lot, I think, in this whole, you know, debate of like who's who's the most decentralized. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, do the users really care? I don't know. Not me personally, but... Well, decentralization through security. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I can cite onto that specific argument. But I guess staying on topic, also, like what you were what you were saying about uh, obfuscating away, like the the blockchain crypto mentioned. Like, I think when you look at like the venture environment right now, it's going to be really interesting because I feel like so many startups are just like, all right, well, let's just like figure out some kind of Web three strategy, and then we can add a very nice multiple to our valuation from VCs. And I think like. The further you get out of the hype, the less you see like the dot X, Y, Z and like some of these things that are just like really signifiers of of the the like buzzwords stuff starts to get a little bit more real. And like that was something that people who are backing AI startups or something like that's been completely removed from like the branding of them. It's just how the technology works. Yeah. Speaking of AI, apparently the word on the street is all the VCs are moving away from Web3 to AI. So I, I I question whether that's true, but I also I'm not going to believe it. I, I saw Alex tweet that our editor in chief, and I'm like, no, that's not true. Why <laughs> TC Plus editor in chief? I don't know because it's like you can invest in certain sectors and still have like a plethora of it in the others. Just because like some people are hyper focused on AI doesn't mean that Web three investments are also disappearing. The party is not over. You yeah. heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like it, this is uh, odd, but like when like the Falcon Nine Heavy or whatever launch happened, where they like launched that car into space, everyone was just like, "All right, let's talk about space and all this stuff." I feel like when OpenAI, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, when 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 like whatever that project that just came out where it like generates a short video based on like a text input, I feel like all the VCs were like, "This is where I'm going to put all of my money." into things that enable this and you know i get it because like cryptos it's not necessarily fun to see all your portfolio companies take huge valuation haircuts or like something happen to that yeah off paper there's definitely been a, a shift in priority so i'll i'll share you know where i think money is going to flow and for for me it, i think it's going to be crypto infrastructure i mm -hmm. think right now is as cliche as it sounds genuinely a good time to build and a lot of that <laughs> it, it's, it's on the back end right like we're not going to be or I guess people in crypto are not going to be building these consumer-facing apps right now, but we're seeing a lot of these solutions, like custody solutions, still mm -hmm. get funded. Um, a deal I heard about recently was like a crypto accounting software. I know that's not quite infrastructure, but it's still like the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that it takes to actually make crypto products that people like. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if, you know, crypto companies can kind of use this time and use this downturn to like tighten that up and get their act right. together and improve security and improve the infrastructure behind everything then that'll leave them well positioned. Like if crypto, you know, sort of ends up blowing up and consumers get excited about it again. Yeah, the security side of things, like on the infrastructure side, it seems like really needs some work during the bear cycle. Like there've been so many DeFi hacks like last week. <laughs> like there's just so much happening. Yeah, well, and Jackie, you, you mentioned um, BNY getting into custody, right? Yeah, and I think like 
I'm definitely with you on this. I feel like every single investor I speak to says how a lot of the money they're investing is going towards infrastructure. And I, we both laughed when she said it's time to build because we've heard that saying time like build, a million baby. times. Oh, Marky Mark. But like in order to make things better, like what do you need? You, you need to build. Like, and it's not sexy. Infrastructure isn't sexy, but it is important to scale and get to that quote unquote like first billion users that crypto claims they want. Right, right. Uh, so I'm I, with you. On I'm that. cracking up because I'm I'm thinking about uh, last night. I met an investor and he made a really good point. He was like, you know, you crypto people are like always going to conferences. How does anyone have time to build anything? <laughs> like <laughs> always at a party, always on a boat somewhere. Like that's what the industry is doing. I don't understand how they have time to actually build these startups, but. I guess that it's is all about why. The networking. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right, right. Whatever, whatever you want to call it, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think that's why it's all these sort of backend applications that are seeing a lot of attention. Yeah. Well, I hate to wrap so abruptly, but we are out of time. I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, this was great. Yeah. yeah thank Peace you. Peace out. We love you all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back every week with the top news on the crypto ecosystem. Catch us on Tuesdays for interviews with experts in the Web3 space. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform, and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and the stories we talked about can be found in our show notes, and be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Anita Ramaswamy, along with my co-hosts, Lucas Matney and Jackie Melanick. We are produced by Yashad Kulkarni, and our associate producer is Maggie Stamets, with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, Alyssa Stringer leads audience development, and Henry Pickovet manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.